Differing Things is a podcast which focuses on how far religion and society have deviated from the Bible. Differing Things will cover many topics, both spiritual and current, to draw our listeners closer to their creator. Now for today's host, Bill Petrie. The first thing that often strikes a newcomer to the grace message as taught with right division is that it sounds somewhat different than anything they have heard before. I believe this is because many churches simply neglect an in-depth study of the Word of God. I do not claim that the grace message is anything new. Only that it was not understood by many people for a long period of time because they would rather cling to their denominational bias than look into the word of God rightly divided. You have to remember that you are responsible before God to go to the word of God and to see whether what you are being taught is so. And even though the grace message is unique in many respects, it actually agrees with most Christian churches in the major doctrines of the faith. I believe in the inspiration of scriptures according to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. Tragically, there are many denominations that have actually abandoned this very fundamental truth. I believe in the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is true God and true man in one person. I believe in the virgin birth of Christ, that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, that he lived a sinless life, that he died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and his death and resurrection and burial is sufficient for our salvation. There is absolutely nothing anyone can add to it. Indeed, we must not add anything to what Christ accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. I believe that God is a God who wants to have an intimate relationship with you, who wants to converse with you through his word and through your prayer life. And I could go on and on, but I trust that you get the point. I do hold to the basic fundamental doctrines of the word of God. So how, then, is the grace message unique? It is primarily in how We understand God's dealings with mankind through different dispensations. Most importantly, we believe that God revealed his message to us today through the apostles of the Gentiles, the Apostle Paul. This is usually when the questions begin. And I want to give you the the most common questions that I hear when sharing this message 
and hopefully by answering these questions, I will give you a better understanding of the Word of God. The first question I hear frequently is, are you not making too much of the Apostle Paul? Of course, any true Christian church will acknowledge that Paul was an apostle. At least they should. This is very clear in the scriptures. But just where does Paul fit in? I believe that Paul was given a unique ministry and a unique message to us for today. The body of Christ, the church, which is his body. Romans chapter 11, verse 13 says, For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify mine office. Paul is often accused, even by some theologians, of being proud and arrogant. I have heard preachers say, Oh, that Paul, he had an I problem. He was always saying, I, 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 this, I, that. Why is it that Paul is always talking about himself by divine inspiration? Was it because he wanted to exalt his own person or lift himself up before the people? No, of course not. We all need to remember that Paul wrote by inspiration. The Holy Spirit instructed him what to write. It was not just Paul of his own accord who suddenly decided to say, I speak to you Gentiles, I am the, T-H-E, apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify mine office. It was the Holy Spirit inspiring him to say this. And likewise, it is not just we who believe the grace message who say Paul's office needs to be lifted up and magnified so we can see it. We did not come up with the idea. It is right here in the Bible. See it for yourself in Romans eleven thirteen. Regarding Paul's own person, he was actually a very humble man. In fact, he wrote, Unto me, who is less than the least of all saints, is this grace given in Ephesians 3.8. Does this sound like a man who is exalting himself? In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul calls himself the chief of sinners. Does this sound like a man who is haughty, proud, and lifted up? Of course not. In fact, it is interesting to note that Paul's very name means small or little. Indeed, Paul, in his own person, did not exalt himself, at least not after he was saved. Whenever he said, I or me, he was talking about what the Lord had done through him. By the grace of God, Paul says, I am what I am in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. These are the words of a humble man. Regarding his unique apostleship and message, 
Paul was very bold, forthright, and outspoken. He did not mince any words, nor did he pull any punches. Let's look for a few minutes at several statements that Paul makes in emphasizing his own ministry and message. Romans 2.16 says, In the day when Christ shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. Likewise, in Romans 16.25, we read, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel. Is Paul simply being proud when he says, my gospel? The answer is no. God committed this message uniquely to the Apostle Paul. He was the only one who could say of a message, it is given to me for you. It's mine. The twelve apostles were also given a message. They were given the gospel of the kingdom, yet it was not given to all twelve. None of them could say, it is my gospel, because it was given to many. But Paul alone received the gospel of the grace of God, and then he passed it on to others. Notice in these texts that Paul refers to himself, not to magnify himself, but rather to punctuate the importance of his apostolic ministry. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle. I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. This comes out of 1 Timothy chapter 3. In like manner, in Galatians, the Apostle Paul refers to himself in chapter 5, verse 2. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. And in Ephesians 3, 1, he says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. Colossians 1.23 reads, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. This unique message had never been given before and it needed to be emphasized. Why must we emphasize the unique ministry of Paul? If we do not, who will? Paul himself magnified his office by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. 
we too should magnify the God-given ministry and message which holds the answer to all of the theological confusion of our day. A second question I get frequently is, are you not following a man instead of the Lord? When we speak of Paul being the apostle to the Gentiles, are we guilty of following a man? Let us see what the scriptures have to say. Many times people will object to saying we should follow Paul as our apostle by pointing to Paul's own words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. Now this I say, that every one of you says, I am of Paul, and I am of Apollos, and I am of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Likewise, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 says, For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? For while one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? There are some who would point to these verses and say, here it says that if you follow after Apollos or after Paul, that you are just being carnal. That is a fleshly thing to do. The word carnal is the key to this context. Paul is pointing out that the Corinthians were following people after the flesh and that that is very wrong. If we were to say, let's follow Paul because he was a pretty smart guy, that would be wrong. Or if we said, let us follow Paul because he seemed to gather a pretty good following in his day, that too would be the wrong reason. If we just liked the way Paul wrote or liked his personality better than some other apostle, we would be guilty of following a man. This is what Paul is addressing here. 1 Corinthians 1 and 3 say it is wrong to follow a personality. But after he tells them not to follow men in a carnal way, Paul turns around and says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, pay attention to this, I have begotten you through the gospel. What gospel did Paul preach? The gospel of the grace of God. The message that he records in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. This is the gospel that Paul preached. Anyone who is saved in this dispensation is saved because they believe this message. 
and nothing else. It's not about your works. It's not about you doing this or doing that. It's you simply believing this gospel message and trusting it. They may not even realize that it was first preached by the Apostle Paul. But if they are saved today, it is because they believe this message. In this sense, everyone who is saved today is begotten because of what Paul preached. This is why he says, you may have 10,000 teachers in Christ. Here's where you get into the personalities, liking this teacher better than that teacher. You may have 10,000 teachers, but you do not have 10,000 fathers. I have begotten you with the gospel, the Apostle Paul writes, by divine inspiration. That is how you were saved. And this is how we are saved, by the gospel that Paul preached. This is why he goes on to say in verse 16, not on the basis of personality, not on the basis of who looks better or sounds better, but on the basis of the gospel he preached. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 records this. For I beseech you, I beg you, I plead with you, be you followers of me. Are you following a man instead of the Lord when you follow Paul? He explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Who we are really following is Christ, but we are following him in a certain way. We are following him the way the Apostle Paul followed him. Can we follow Christ the way the 12 apostles followed Christ? We cannot. And here is why. Christ is not here today in the flesh. He is not walking down the street today in a body that we see. So how do we follow him? The word follow, as it is used in the scripture, means to imitate. And we could translate it that way. Be you imitators of me, as I also am of Christ. We are to imitate Christ the way the Apostle Paul did. Let us see how the 12 apostles were to follow Jesus Christ. Matthew 23, 1 says, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, the seat of authority given to Moses under the law. All, therefore, whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not you after their works, for they say, and do not. Here, the Lord Jesus Christ is telling his 12 apostles how to follow him. How do they follow him? By observing the entirety 
of the Mosaic Law. Is that how we follow Christ today? Absolutely not. The Apostle Paul says, we are not under the law, but under grace in Romans 6.14. Furthermore, we cannot follow the Lord in that way. Part of following the law means worshiping at the Jewish temple. Acts chapter 2 and chapter 3 are some surprising verses to many people as we see that the 12 apostles continued to worship at the Jewish temple even after the Lord had ascended from the earth into heaven. Acts 2.44 states, And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. That is not God's program for today. But that was his program for the Jews at that time. That was his program to the 12 apostles. Christ had told them to sell what they had, to give alms to the poor, and come and follow him. And they did it. Verse 46 says, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. This was the breaking of their daily bread, their food, because they had all things in common. Acts 3 1 states, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Why are they doing that? Some people say they were Jews and were used to doing that. Does God want us to do that today? No. In fact, we cannot, for there is no Jewish temple today. Where would we go to do this? How could we follow the Lord the way the 12 apostles did? It is impossible and cannot be done today. But how did Paul follow the Lord? He did not follow the Lord in his earthly ministry. Paul wasn't even a believer when Jesus Christ walked this earth. He followed the Lord after the Lord's ascension and after the Israelite nation had been set aside. Then Paul began following the ascended and exalted Lord Jesus Christ. This is how we are to follow him. The new way to follow him has to do with a new program, a new spiritual ministry. Are we following a man instead of the Lord? No. We are following the Lord as the Apostle Paul did. Because that is what the scripture tells us to do by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit himself. At about this point, when you explain the grace message 
to most people, it starts to dawn on them what I am really saying. If what I am saying is true, then that means that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John really do not lay out the Christian walk and worship, but rather those are the Jewish kingdom principles of living and worshiping. Accepting this fact is very hard for some people. If you are like most denominational people, you were taught from a very young age in Sunday school on that the Beatitudes in the Sermon of the Mount, the parables of Jesus, the Lord's Prayer are all the principles of living for today. So when someone tells you to follow the Lord as Paul did, not as the 12 apostles did, what do you do with those four Gospels? Those are the very words of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this leads me to the next question I often get. Question three, are not the words of Christ more important than the words of Paul? Who could argue with that? Are not the words of Christ more important? We even have that impressed on us with the red letter editions of the Bible. The red words have to be more important than the black ones, don't they? If Christ is saying one thing and Paul is saying another, which one are we to believe? Nobody in their right mind would believe Paul if they could believe Jesus Christ. Here again, the scripture is very clear to explain. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 37 states, If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Paul's writings are the words of Christ. Paul's epistles should be read or read. Every single word that God inspired is the word of God. It is all his word. But we must understand that he revealed himself differently at different times to different people. Paul's epistles are the words of Christ to us today. For those who doubt this, Paul has a very solemn word in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul had the same problem in his day that we have today. People questioned whether he was really giving them the word of Christ. People doubted that he was even a real apostle. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, 
the Apostle Paul writes, this is the third time I am coming to you. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before. And foretell you, as if I were present the second time, and beings absent now I write to them, which heretofore have sinned, and to all other, that if I come again, I will not spare, since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me. Doesn't Paul sound like a very upset parent in these words? The Corinthians were saying, prove it, Paul. Prove that Christ is speaking in you. And Paul is saying, he will prove it next time he comes. <clears throat> At that time, how did he do it? Through signs, wonders, and miracles. Now that the word of God is complete and is not being added to, we simply take it because God has revealed it to us and we believe it. We do not need a sign or miracle to prove it anymore. Paul says, this is the third time you seek a proof. I'll give it to you. Christ is speaking in me. Yes, we are to follow Christ. We are to follow the words of Christ as they were revealed to the Apostle Paul. We must preach and believe the gospel as was revealed to the Apostle Paul. Christ taught a gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. But under that gospel, he taught that if you want Ionian life, you must keep the commandments. That's Matthew 19, verse 17. It was Paul who first taught the simple gospel of faith, believed that Christ died for your sins, was buried, and rose again the third day in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. Have you been saved by believing the gospel of grace preached by Paul? If you have not, then you are not saved. It's simply believing and trusting that Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. This gives you a relationship with Jesus Christ today that can never be broken or undone. You are sealed with the Spirit, which guarantees that you will have Eonian life. Yes, Paul is radically different. And oh, how I wish I had time to give you a lot more questions and answers. But we will do that in another show. For now, good day and God bless. We want to thank you for listening to this week's Differing Things podcast. If you would like to get more information about the Bible, 
please check out our website, www.beacon-ministries.org. Do not forget to join us next week for a new Differing Things podcast. Thank you.